What day is it? It's June 14th, 2022. And this is episode four of season two of the More Math for More People podcast. Cheers. Hello, everyone. I'm Misty. And I'm Joel. And this is the More Math for More People podcast brought to you by CPM Educational Program. On this podcast, we discuss the CPM curriculum, trends in math education, and share strategies to shift instructional practices to create a more inclusive and student-centered classroom. We also highlight upcoming CPM professional learning opportunities and have conversations with math educators about how they do what they do. And we always try to have a little bit of fun and laughter as well. Indeed we do. So come and find out what shenanigans we're up to on this episode. Boom. It's International Bat Day. You didn't even give me a chance to ask. <laughs> I know. I did it on purpose. Jeez. All right. So it's International Bath Day. International Bath so Day. So everyone Not... in the world should take a bath. That's right. And it shouldn't be confused with National Bathtub Day because that's in October. But that's about bathtubs, not about that's right. baths. Exactly. It's a different thing. Entirely. Well, related, but different. So International Bath Day. I'm not a bath guy. I, I just can't do it. <laughs> you just can't do it at all? Hot tubs even kind of freak me out. Like really? I'm showers, 100%. Mm. Freak you out. That's interesting. I know. It, it just feels like I'm in filth. Like I, you know, like, <laughs> really, like I'm being affected now. I see. I, I can see that. Well, they can't see that, but I can see that. You're definitely having a physical reaction. I had a physical reaction. Yeah. That's interesting. I am not a big fan of baths, only it's funny how people say, do you say baths or baths? Mm. I'm not a fan of having a bath because I, I get too warm. Like I, I want the bath to be oh. hot because that feels good. And then after about yeah. two minutes, I'm like, oh, it's too hot in here. <laughs> Similarly with hot tubs, but at least the hot tub you can get out and get back in, get out, get back yeah, in. Yeah, that's true. If you're having a bath at your house, like getting out and get back in just seems weird. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. One reason that they're celebrating the holiday, however, is I love this story, mm-hmm. is when Archimedes was in the bathtub oh. and he figured out that you could measure, what was it, volume? Yes, you can measure the volume of object by its by its displacement. And then I just love that he jumped out so excited, he ran through the town naked. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we don't know if that part's true. <laughs> so well, I was just going to ask you if you prefer a regular bath or a bubble bath, being not a bath person, I'm sure that... I don't, I don't prefer either. <laughs> I, I have taken baths with bath salts. Oh, yeah. Bath, and that, that's nice. That kind of felt mm-hmm. nice, I guess. Yeah, I so you could always get the bath and the bath bomb, which is just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fizzy salts. One time I stayed at a... I got to upgrade at my hotel room. Okay. So my hotel room had a jacuzzi tub. And I was like, oh, we'll take like a bubble bath, jacuzzi tub bath. Yeah. And so I took the little shampoo bottle that they give you. And I was like, well, I could just make a bubble bath with this. Yeah. I learned you should not put the entire <laughs> oh. tiny bottle of shampoo into the tub, particularly if it's a jacuzzi. Why? What because happens? the jacuzzi jets create a lot, a lot of foam. <laughs> It just was this foamy thing, and I kept having to just drain the water out Mm -hmm. some more and then try to fill it with water again to get rid of the foam. It was – I wouldn't say it was highly successful. I learned. I learned. I mean, that's – you know, it was successful in that way that I learned. That's successful. I definitely made some mistakes and learned from them. I love that. 
All right. So International Bath Day, it's pretty easy to figure out ways to celebrate if you are a bath person. (laughs) If you're not a bath person, you maybe give your dog a bath. Take a shower. I don't know. Or just take a shower and say, this is what I like to do. Clean yourself. Go celebrate in your own way. Yes. Announcements, announcements. For our announcements this week, I want to remind everyone that the deadline for speaker proposals for the 2023 teacher conference in San Francisco, the deadline for those is June 30th. So that is only a couple weeks away from today's podcast. So if you want to make a proposal for the teacher conference, please get it in by the end of the month. We are taking proposals for 75-minute sessions in person or virtual. We are also taking proposals for 30-minute sessions, and we are taking proposals for posters. So if you have any of those things, anything that you want to share at the teacher conference, please submit your proposal by the end of the month. You can find the link to the form at cpm.org backslash teacher dash conference. End of announcements. Misty and I read an article from the May newsletter called The Monoglot Mysteries, which was written by Dan Henderson, Tony Jones, Bree Ruiz, and Daniel Boggs. And so we wanted to have a conversation with a couple of the writers of this article. So we are having a conversation with Dan Henderson and Daniel Boggs about the monoglot mysteries. The authors here, they use a little bit of wit, use a little bit of humor, some sarcasm, and just a bit of snarkiness to make their point And so we'd love to share some highlights of that conversation with you now. So we're here today with Dan Henderson and Danielle Boggs to the May CPM newsletter. It's called Monoglot Mysteries. And for reference, Dan is one of our writers in the curriculum and assessment department. And Danielle works in the professional learning department as a professional learning specialist. What's the main idea of this article, Monoclot Mysteries? Well, we're both CPM employees. And so we think a lot about how to get more math to more people. Mm-hmm. And the article is about the more people part. Like one in five students uh, nationwide, and it's higher in some places and lower in other places, but one in five students nationwide speaks a language other than English at home. And the question is, how do we write curriculum? How do we do instruction to include those students in a more meaningful way? The article comes from that place, and we're thinking about taking an asset-based approach and taking that seriously. The biggest asset that multilingual students have that other students in the class don't have is that they speak more than one language. And so we're just trying to take that idea seriously, and while taking that seriously, poking a little fun at ourselves for not noticing it before. Well, I found it really interesting that you you make that note in the beginning just to say you're using wit, humor, sarcasm, and snarkiness to come at the the topic. Yeah, that's funny because it started as like a rant that I, I went on after a meeting where someone had said something to me about when in this routine are they supposed to transition to using English. And I, I don't care when they speak English. Like it's not 
it's not about the English in this thing. Um, so it kind of started there. As for like the perspective of like thinking about the monoglot students as opposed to multilingual students, that was just the the realization that like we talk about that asset based approach and we talk about like what are the assets that multilingual learners bring to the classroom like to help them communicate with the other people and we we never talk about the fact that what they bring is the language skills that we lack right? mm-hmm. the only reason i need them to speak english is because i don't speak whatever language they're speaking if i did mm-hmm. we wouldn't have a problem i wouldn't need to support them in any extra way i would just talk to them in whatever language they wanted to talk in. I think the piece about it that stood out to me the most as I was reading it was we talk about asset-based language and we're like, this is the ideal. But in actuality, it's really easy to only think of multilingual students in a deficit way because we feel like they're missing English and that's all that we have. And so flipping the coin and really thinking about the opposite experience, I think, has been very eye opening for many of the conversations I've had with with Dan and other writers, as well as other professional learning specialists, as we learn more about this and try to support support it, not just in the writing, but also in, in through professional learning. So, so you want to change people's perspectives, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I just want to to, to flip the perspective. It, sometimes, if you just flip your perspective on its head, you see things much more clearly than you were before. And that happened to me in this case. Like, as soon as I flip my perspective from how do I support the multilingual students in communicating in English to how do I support the monoglot students in communicating in a multilingual environment, I realized that I had like a a whole half of the problem that I just wasn't working on, right? We write in strategies and we write in language routines and we bring these things to our classrooms and do the three reads and you do a stronger and clearer and you do these things. But sometimes you think you're doing it just to support this, this subset, this one in five, but really you're doing it to support the, the four in five that can't communicate across the language barrier. Um, and as soon as I flipped it on its head, I saw that more clearly and I wanted to share that vision with people. I think the piece of it that, aside from from flipping your perspective, I think the piece of it that I would like to challenge and, and have people acknowledge is the fact that you can't just ignore emerging multilingual students in your space. And the fact that it's not okay for them to kind of be an afterthought, but that you should position them in a place that they can utilize their assets and that others see them as an asset to their team, their class, their the, the culture of their, their classroom community, because it's easy for them to be an observer versus an active leader or participant within a mathematics classroom. So I would like to challenge people to think about how they are positioning students within their space. You want to, you want to take you want to think about the assets what do they bring how can i bring that out and the flip side of that is how can i help the other people in the room access those assets mm-hmm. how do i i'm always thinking about how do i help the the eml student communicate their thinking or how do i position them so that people should listen and what i should also think about is how do i 
help people hear and understand and communicate back, mm-hmm. how do I position them so that they know that they should and can do that? So that they're good listeners and they're good participants. And Yeah. And I think a big part of that is building empathy. And obviously doing that with students is something that goes beyond math content. But when I think about that and some of the experiences that our team has had in like some conference sessions we've done and some things that we've read that have kind of flipped the script of, okay, I'm in monoglot. I learn in English primarily. But then some of the conference sessions we've experienced have been in another language to begin with so that you can feel what it's like to be in the situation that some of your students may be in. Because you're like, I know stuff. I'm knowledgeable and intelligent, and I, I, but I don't feel that way right now. So how can you help others recognize what that feels like and build empathy and patience and a community where everyone is understanding we do all have assets. This, um, what you're talking about, like sort of the asset based and thinking about what they can, what every student can bring, right? Reminds me a little bit of, I was just reading through some of the things in um, inclusion module three, actually, and some of the resources that were listed there. And, and it, there's so many similarities in, if we look at, mathematics, not necessarily as just, you know, memorizing procedures and facts, but as a way of thinking and a way of looking at ideas and then representing them and discovering them and doing different things with them. I mean, you can really apply that to any, any student that I might consider has challenges or whatever. If I flip it and say, what does this student know? What, how are they showing their learning? what are the different ways that they can show that then it allows all of everyone to join the conversation, to join the work, to join the learning, to join all of the pieces and create their own learning. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think the, the, the article definitely comes at things from a really different perspective and I think challenges people the readers to think about things differently. And I think that that is very powerful. And yes, it does it in a slightly sarcastic and snarky way. And sometimes people aren't going to hear the message, but hopefully they get past that initial bit of uncomfortableness to really understand what and how they could be different in what they're doing. I know the article definitely made me think, and I really also appreciate that you included some ideas for schools to take away and include in their practice. So that's a wrap for this episode of the More Math for More People podcast. For more information and to stay connected, you can find CPM on both Twitter and Facebook. The music for the podcast was created by Julius H. and can be found on pixabay.com. Join us for the next episode of More Math for More People. What day will that be, Joel? It'll be June 28th, National Paul Bunyan Day. And I'm really excited to talk about this one and tell everybody the story of when I got to go visit Paul Bunyan and he spoke to me on my visit in Paul Bunyan land in Minnesota. So that'll be a fun story to tell. It also makes me think of that Monty Python skit where the the lumberjacks are all singing, I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. And 
that's such a good song too so we can have a good laugh over that one as well but Paul Bunyan you know Davy Crockett Daniel Boone all Babe the Big Rocks of course all will have a place in talking about this day of American Folk.